uh, Pastor David to come and share with us. A few weeks ago, I introduced to you uh, Pastor David and Donna. Um, they've come. They've moved here to Durban. Uh, Pastor David and Donna, are, are they've come to join us on the continent, helping uh, especially uh, Desert and I focus in on leadership development work that we do around the continent and a lot of other places besides, uh, besides Durban. Um, and we're grateful for them. We're grateful for their friendship and their support. We're also grateful uh, that, that Durban and North Place is their home base here on the continent. And so I'm going to ask Pastor David to come at this time. He's going to come and share the word with us this morning. Would you welcome him as he comes? Hey, thanks, Pastor Randy. Uh, this is our fourth week at North Place. And I'll tell you, we really are excited that we can call this our home church and get to know you. And we're going to get to know you once in what you look like with masks on, and then we're going to get to know you again in what you look like without masks on shortly, the Lord willing, we hope, very sincerely. But I want to ask Donna if she'll join me here for just a second. Uh, you know, there's a few things that you probably need to know about us, just a little bit of context. Uh, for one thing, you might ask us how many kids we have. And if you ask me that question, I might say two or I might say six, or I might say 11. And I'm not a pathological liar, okay? <laughs> there's, there's a reason for that. And you might ask, how, how long have you been married? And I might say six years. Mm. Or I might be a wise guy and say, We've been, uh, we've, we have 70 years of marriage experience because Donna has 30 years of experience with marriage that I didn't have, and I have 33 years of experience with marriage that she didn't have, and we have six and a half together. So, folks, we're almost at 70. <laughs> so that's got to count for something. But all of this and, and looking at our lives and the story of our lives, I want you to know, in fact, uh, during worship, Desra said something about the Lord lifting the weight of our fears. And God does that in our lives. He helps us shoulder the burdens of our lives. He helps us move forward in our lives when, when we want to just quit or when we want to retreat or we don't want to go forward. God helps us with that. He nurtures us. He walks with us in that. And so that you know a little bit of our story, just the really thumbnail sketch of it, my life was perfectly normal on a Saturday morning when I woke up until I tried to wake my wife up, and I couldn't. And we ended up, this was about eight years ago, I mean, life was so normal. And we went to, the ambulance came, we went to the hospital, and that turned into the longest day of my life as my wife Joyce went to be with Jesus at, um, later that evening. And it turned my world completely upside down, put me in a tailspin, put me in a position of walking through two years of the most intense pain that I could even imagine. But in this, I want you to know that God has proved himself faithful, folks. That whatever you walk through and whatever you face, God is faithful. And I won't bend or bow on that even a little bit. But I asked Donna to come, she doesn't just stand here, but for her to tell you just a little bit of what her story is. It's always hard. Hello. Do I need to do something different? Am I good? There all right. Go. All right. Um, it's always hard to know where to start because there's so much, so I'm going to keep this as short as I can. 
But it was in 1980 that I went to Bible school in the United States, and it was there that I met my husband, Dave Collins. We got married, had four kids together. We had so many wonderful adventures, some not so wonderful, <laughs> if you know what I mean. But God was faithful the whole time. We ended up in Lagos, Nigeria. And if you want to hear more of my story, you're going to have to ask me later. But it was a beautiful day that we decided to go to the beach. We got in a little boat, went to this little island, went across to the ocean. I got in only up to here, and I got caught by a rip current. I got pulled out very quickly. My husband came to save me. He was also caught in the rip current. We had to be saved. They rescued me first. And my daughter and I sat on the beach and we watched my husband drown. I had to leave. I had to move back to the United States. I had no home. I had no job. And I thought I had lost everything. And it was a time that God was showing me his faithfulness, even though I didn't believe it. But, you know, Desiree talked about divine delay, and I'm talking about a divine disruption. Because my life was disrupted to a point, but God was trying to get my attention. And he told me, he says, Donna, you think you have nothing, but you have hope, and you act like you have none. And there was one very dark night when I was crying out to God with desperation. And I said, God, if you're paying attention, I need to know you are paying attention. And I have to tell you, it was on this very day, March 14th, 2014, that I got a message from a man named David Delp. And he said, you may not know me, but somebody told me about you and your story. And I want you to know I'm thinking about you and praying for you. That was eight years ago. God's paying attention. It may be a divine delay. It may be a divine disruption, but he is paying attention. And hang on because you have hope. So all of that to say, the, the message this morning is about forward. And we build out of this context often because it's our story. But our story is not our identity. But it's how God has worked through our story and how he's shaped our lives. And when we, when we speak, and this morning we didn't just build this to tell you our story. But we want you to know that God is working in your story. And if you wonder how on earth we ended up in South Africa, it's because God is working through our story. And we reference this story because our lives were utterly transformed by the journey that God has us on. And God's going to do a great work in your life as well. Now, one verse of scripture that I want to share with you before we get into the body of this is 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. It reminds us of this. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. See, we are human beings, and in these jars of clay, we bear the incredible story of God and what he's doing in our lives. And we have a story that shaped our lives, and every one of you has a story that has shaped your life and is shaping your lives. And sometimes we get stuck in it, and, and that passage of Scripture, as it goes on into verses 8 and 9, I can say that as this Scripture is pointing out, there's been times that we felt afflicted but not crushed. We felt perplexed, but not driven to despair. 
If we have been persecuted, we know that we have not been forsaken. And though we feel struck down, sometimes we are not destroyed. And here's what I know. When our story becomes God's story and God's story becomes our story, he is glorified, he is glorified, and we are transformed. This is what happens as God is working in our lives. And so you have a story, and God is in your story, and your story is not your identity, but the work that God is doing in your life is shaping you in that. And so one of the things that we focused on in our journey is going forward. Not what's behind, but what's ahead. And believe me, when I, when I, say, when I make that statement, that used to make me angry to say that God is leading us to a better place because I liked the old place. I liked my life before. And to begin to draw those comparisons just messes us up in our mind. This is not about comparisons. It's not about questioning which life was better or which circumstance was better in our lives. But it is about knowing that God's plan is better than my plan. Amen. God's plan is better than my plan. And so as if you've experienced loss, healing doesn't come all at once. And I want you to know this, that there is a process of healing in our lives. But this is not only about, this is not only about losing a spouse or about losing a loved one, but sometimes we lose a world. You know what I'm talking about? We lose something that was very important to us, a reality or a circumstance. And we came to realize that much of the difficulty of our journey was not just losing a person, but it was losing a world that we loved and everything that went on to it. And so now as we're living in a new country, and we're living in a new place, and we're living in a new culture, and we are learning all kinds of incredible things. And I want you to know that we are coming to love South Africa. We are coming to love this place. We are coming to love you people as we get to know you. And, you know, it's the, as we understand the reality that sometimes we're going to feel a sense of loss from the place we've come from, right? You ever felt that? Sometimes I just want to go back. Sometimes I want to go back where I understand what's going on. And I understand the phrases that people are using. And occasionally we feel this sense of loss or this homesickness for just something that's familiar to us. How many of you have something that you kind of keep in your life because it's familiar to you? It's kind of like my daughters each had a blanket that they would carry around when they were little. It comforted them. Wherever we were, they could snuggle up to that blanket and feel comfortable. Any of you have stuff like that that just makes you feel feel better, might even be some kind of food or something like that. But there are those things that make us feel better. But sometimes, no matter how good forward is, we just want to go back, back to what we love, back to what was important to us, back to a world that we know how to live in. And in our grief journey, Donna and I came across this word that impacted us incredibly. It's a Welsh word, you know, like Wales. There's a Welsh word and there is no English equivalent, but this Welsh word is, it, it relates to homesickness, and the word is hyraith. Hyraith, here's the definition, is a Welsh word for longing or nostalgia. It's an earnest longing or desire or a sense of regret. The feeling of longing for a home 
get this, that no longer exists. That's key. The feeling of longing for a home that no longer exists or it never was. A deep and irrational bond felt with a time, an era, a place, or a person. And this just exploded in our minds. That's exactly what we feel sometimes. We're homesick for something that no longer exists. And you learn that when you're going through those times that you, you start out trying to push through. If I can push through another week, if I can push through another month, if I can push through another year or push through another decade, I'll get to a place where things feel normal again or I'll get to a place where what I am missing will be restored in our lives. But folks, there are some things that no matter how hard we push through them, we're never going back because it doesn't exist any longer. But oh, I want you to know that God is working a plan in our lives and you're probably not going to understand a lot of that plan, especially when you're walking through. But when we have this confidence that God has a better plan for our lives than, he do, than, than we do ourselves, then we can take courage and we can take confidence that God is leading us. You see, sometimes the place or the circumstance we miss no longer exists, but sometimes, let's get real here, sometimes it never existed. Man, I want to go back to this thing. Oh, it was so wonderful, and I loved it so much, and, and you're, you're looking through rose-colored glasses, as we say. You're seeing the situation in a way that it never was, and there's a story in the Bible that reminds me of that. It's the people of God who had been held in bondage in Egypt for 400 years by Pharaoh. They're delivered by their God to go to their promised land. They get in the middle of the wilderness, and what do they do? They start saying, man, we want to go back. They had some good food back here, and we got nothing here. See, they weren't looking at where they were going, but they began to look back. And this is our human nature. And we're going to always do that. But we have to remember, like those people of God who were delivered from slavery, what they were longing for not only didn't exist anymore, it never existed the way that they were seeing it. See, in the grief journey, when you grieve a place or a person or a time or a circumstance that will never be again, it creates an emotion and a pain that sometimes is difficult to resolve. But I have a quote that I wrote in my journal, and it's this. We have to be careful that we do not misplace the love we had for the place from which we've come in such a way that we will not allow ourselves to love the place to where we're going. Hey, this is like, I don't know why this phrase just popped into my mind, but this is like downtown for us right now. It's like, I can't love the place, we can't love the place we came from so much that we're not able to love this place where we are. We can't love our former lives and, oh, I tell you, my wife and I, we did life together. We did life together for 33 years. Donna and her husband did life together for 33 years. There's sometimes that we miss those things, but if we're not careful, we will not love the place where we are because we so long for the place that we've been, and that's healing. And folks, I want you to think about not only just a person that you've lost, but again, think about that place. Think about the reality in your life as you are moving forward and you're moving into new things in your life, and sometimes you feel the heaviness of the fear. Sometimes you feel the weight. 
But if you think of it not just as a person, but the place that you've been in, and to read that again, we have to be careful that we don't misplace the love that we had for that circumstance, for that reality that no longer is, for that place we used to be, for the person that we used to be, or the people that we used to know and that we used to love in such a way that we can't love forward. We can't love what God is doing in our lives. I can't love who I was so much that I'm not willing to embrace who God's making me to be. Come on, anybody relate to that? Man, I can't love my former life so much I'm not willing to embrace the life that God has for me. We're in South Africa. I never envisioned that five years ago or probably even three years. I didn't envision it. But as we went forward, God began to do some new incredible things that we could not even imagine. See, God is a God of forward. And Apostle Paul reminds us of this when he writes in Philippians 3, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward. It is with effort, folks, that we move forward. Come on. It is with effort that we move forward. My brain and my spirit is exploding right now. Not only for you and what God is doing in your life, but my brain and my spirit is exploding for what God wants to do in North Place Church. My spirit is exploding with what God wants to do in Durban, in this region, and the role that he has, not just for an organization, but for each of us coming together and moving together. God, is as we are straining forward to what lies ahead, and I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. And Apostle Paul is saying God's plan is better than my plan always. And I'm going forward into God's plan. So how do we do this? How do we fix our eyes ahead when we love the things that are behind? How do we move forward? How do we respond when what was so important to us here at? It no longer exists, but we sometimes long for it. First, I got three points. Good preachers have three points. I don't know. I think we just stop looking after the third one. Because <laughs> we know we don't have time for more than that ever. First, to go forward, we trust. Whew. Wow. Have you ever just thought about what it is to trust? To trust. We trust that God is leading us to a better place. Again, it hurts our hearts sometimes. It hurts my heart sometimes to think God has brought me to a better place than the place that I was. It's not a comparison of our lives. It's that God's plan unfolded in your life continues to get better and better and better. And oh, folks, sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it hurts bad. But when we trust God that he knows more than we know, Hebrews chapter 11, Pastor Randy's talked about some of these people in Hebrews chapter 11 in the Audacious series, but Hebrews chapter 11 is the chapter of faith. It's all of these people that trusted God, even though their eyes couldn't see the promise, they trusted God that the promise was real. And they just kept going forward. They kept going forward. They kept going forward. And when we come to verse 14, it says, For people who speak thus, 
make it clear that they're seeking a homeland. I want to tell you, folks, I want to make it clear. I'm seeking a homeland. Come on. I'm seeking. A, I want to make that clear. I'm seeking a homeland. And if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. Oh, that breaks my heart because of all of the people that would not be reached and all of the things that God wanted to do in our lives that when we just simply return to that which is comfortable, all of that potential begins to fade. Verse 16, but as it is, see, for these folks, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. And therefore, listen to this part, therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. God is not ashamed because he's prepared for them a city. We trust God that he knows what he is doing. So why would God be ashamed? Or why would God not be ashamed? See, here's what hit me, folks. A God who could not provide a home for his people ought to be ashamed of himself. See? If your God can't provide a home for you, he ought to be ashamed of himself. A God who allows his people to be destroyed or to suffer without a hope, they ought to be ashamed of themselves. And there are folks in this world that worship gods that are destructive gods. Those gods ought to be ashamed of themselves. A God who has allowed his people to be stripped of everything precious to them without providing something of even greater value, that kind of God ought to be ashamed of himself. A God who would allow or be unable to protect his people, that God ought to be ashamed of himself. I'm getting a little excited. But our God is not ashamed. Because he knows that he is doing all of that, even when we can't see him doing it. Don and I were setting a few years ago, her hip was hurting so badly that she was walking with a cane. And we were praying, and I said, God, I, I need to see you heal Donna. The night that I prayed for my wife to be healed in the hospital, she was not. When Donna sat on the beach and she prayed for you to save her husband from the sea, he was not saved. I'm thankful that she was. And now we're praying for something. I just need to see you do something. Heal her hip. And it just wasn't happening. And we had surrendered ourselves to say, Lord, we'll go to Africa and we'll engage these different people in different places. And I can't have, I, this is my conversation with God. I can't have her roaming around Africa when she can't walk. And so if you want us to obey you, you got to do something. You know, we just... <laughs> And I told Don, I'm tired. We just give and 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 God gives nothing back. See, I get that way sometimes too. You know? When is God going to give us something? And Donna said the most profound thing I've ever heard in my life. She said, David, God has already given us everything and now it's our turn. Whoa, God's already given us everything, and now it's our turn. And as that moved in me, see, you can trust God when it seems like the balance sheet is not in your favor. I want you to know that God knows something that you don't know. God sees what is ahead. And those who trust in God, as it tells us in Psalm 25, 
they are never ashamed that they have trusted in God. Let me not be put to shame and let not my enemies exalt over me. So folks, we've got to trust. And the second thing we've got to do is we've got to commit to the course that we've chosen and the course that God is leading us on. And see that even after we've decided to trust God, sometimes the things that are behind us call us back. See, sometimes we have to burn a bridge, but sometimes we have to build a bridge and we commit to the ways of God. And I woke up this morning with God speaking something very clearly to me, and that was when we come to Christ, old things pass away and all things are made new. And so we've got to burn some of the bridges, not every bridge, but some of the bridges that beckon us back so it is no longer an option. But we also have to build bridges so that the transformative work of Christ can work in our lives. That we build bridges into the presence of God when we are in the word and when we pray and we are engaged in intense discipleship and we are growing. We are building a bridge into the presence of God and we are committing to our forward. And then the third thing is hope. In Romans In the book of Romans, it speaks of, of a hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Donna said it. We don't grieve the way the rest of the world does. We miss things that you know, when we're feeling homesick for something or we're longing for that former part of our lives or it's more comfortable to go backwards than it is to go forward. See, we don't deal with our losses the way those with no hope deal with those loss, their losses. But our hope is in the God of hope. And we have this hope that our faith is actually alive and that God is working in us and he is doing a work in us. And so, folks, here it is. We trust God. This is how we go forward. We trust God that he's leading us to a better place. Secondly, we commit to the path that he's leading us on. And third, we trust in the God of hope. You know, sometimes we hurt, sometimes you hurt. But it occurred to me that when we're driving a car, we look through this large windscreen going forward. And we've got this little box that I call a rearview mirror that we reference from time to time. Hey, I'm becoming South African. I'm pointing up here. <laughs> you don't know how huge that is, folks. Driving around for a couple of weeks looking over here out the window and there's nothing there, you know. But there's this little rearview mirror there that references the things that are behind because it's okay to love what was behind. But it's a little reference point. We love many of the things that were behind. But we're not so tied to them that we can't embrace and love what God has for us forward. And folks, I want to pray with you today because in that passage of Scripture in Romans, it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. 
And so it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that he strengthens us. So where are you today? What is it that you hold in your hand, some of the bridges that you need to let go of so that you can move forward? And some of the weight that you're carrying, and folks, not for one minute do I want to imply that we just need to get over it, get over it. That used to just fry me when people would just get over it. No, God has us on a journey. And you might hurt today. You might hurt tomorrow. You might hurt next week. Ten years from now, you might have this feeling of hireth. Longing for something that no longer exists, that's okay. God has you on a journey. And as you decide to trust him, decide to commit, and then we count on God to fill you with hope, he's going to do a work in your life. And I want to pray over you. If you're online and you'd like prayer, just put prayer in the comments section or send a a private message. There'll be folks with lanyards on. Uh, the prayer team who can pray with you if you just need somebody to pray with you for something that you're walking through. But I want to pray with you and over you as we come to the end of this message that God would just do a work in your life. Father, I thank you for North Place Church. And I believe that you have inspired this message in my heart because you wanted to say something to your body. Lord, we've been through many things that are hurtful, through many things that are painful. All of us have, everyone in this building. And if they haven't yet, they will. God, I pray that you undergird us with trust. Lord, we choose to trust that what you're doing in our lives is better than our plan. We just trust you. And God, like anything else, we can't just flip a switch and all of a sudden we trust you. But it's when you walk with us through the valley of the shadow of death, we come to trust you more and more and more. And I pray for these people today, for every one of us, that you give us enough trust to press forward on the journey. And I know that we will only increase in our trust of you as we see you working in our lives. Lord, I pray for the individual that is sitting here thinking, I want to trust God, but I'm just hurting. And Lord, I pray that you wrap your arms around them and begin to show yourself to be trustworthy to them. I know you will. I know you will. Begin to show yourselves to be trustworthy to them. God, when we can't go back, there's only one way to go, and that's forward. Walk with us, Lord, even when the steps are hard and even when it hurts to move forward, even when it hurts, God, walk with us. And we commit to go forward, and we are trusting you to walk with us. Lord, finally, I pray, Holy Spirit, as the Word of God promises, fill our hearts with hope. When we can't see it, we're going to hope for it. I pray for the people of North Place, for these dear people of God sitting here. And I pray for what you've called us to do together as well. Lord, by your power, we're going to look forward. And I pray for those who are hurting and feel the weight of that, that you would encourage them today and walk forward with them, Lord, in Jesus' name.
in Jesus' name. Folks, I want you to know the reason we tell our story, and we can even laugh about it now. You know, we, we've had some moments on the beach here already of, whoa, you know, we should get in. And we can laugh about it. Not because we're happy about it, but because God has brought us through. I want you to know that whatever you're walking through in your life, God is with us, and he walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death. And I can testify this is 100% true. How many of you can testify to that, that you've walked through, and you know that God is true, and God is faithful? Amen.